Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, New Hope has a special guest pastor named Gretchen Sauceville, who's our stated clerk of Denver Presbytery. Scripture comes from Genesis 1, 1 through 26, read by Mark Ewing. First chapter of Genesis. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth And the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind, bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply upon the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, 
let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So friends, our first scripture lesson was the first creation story. Oftentimes we think Genesis has only one creation story, but there are two. And the first one, what is the message that is woven through chapter one of Genesis? Say it. Say it. It is good. It is good. So Genesis starts out um, that from the chaos, the formless void, God created all of these things. Well, I served a church for 10 years, and my youth group was called Chaos. <laughs> because when Christians hang around on Sunday, there is. Mm. So one of the other things that comes out of that story, and it's why we ended at the 26th verse. Something great is proclaimed about who we are. And we ended that verse because we, gathered in this room, are the continuation of that. What does that 26 verse tell us? What does God do? We're created in his image. Mm, doesn't say that exactly. Close. There's a specific word that's used. We're created, let us create them in our image. It's the great part of the story where Trinity comes into being. That great Godhead, that it is not just oneness, but that multiplicity of what God is. And friends, today is Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the hour, the great hour that God is whether it's parent, child, spirit, um, the great symphony of the heavenly chorus, but we, all of us, are created in the our image of God. So, our second lesson today is from the book of 2 Corinthians. And as one of my seminary professors said, things in Corinth were so great that Paul needed to write a second letter to them. And it is lovely to be able to see that the city of Corinth, first letter, second letter, it is a church. It is a first century church. A church as human as we are 2,000 years later. And if we look at those books of Paul, we realize that the early Christians struggle with much of what we struggle with. They celebrate much of what we celebrate. And so with the story of Genesis 1, the holy chaos, the it is good, the great hour, we come to the book of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 12. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, ourselves as slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give light of knowledge of glory of God in the face of Christ. For we do not proclaim ourselves, 
we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies, so that the life of Jesus may always be made visible. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Christ's sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Benny and Joe were not friends by choice. In fact, Joe would not call them friends at all. And if Joe had his choice, he would not have a roommate at all so that he could sit next to the big window. But Joe knew that was not the reality of the situation. For surgery and age had laid him flat, and it would be months if he ever could sit up again, let alone walk or tend to himself. The reality was, this was the only bed, and it was the only rehab that Joe could afford. Day in and day out, Joe lay there, and at least, at least Benny couldn't move much either. But, oh, there was sadness and rage that swelled in Joe every day as Benny was propped up for an hour to drain the fluid from his lungs. How Joe wished he could trade places with Benny so that he could sit by the window. On one particular sunny day, Joe heard children laughing outside as the spring breeze blew into the tiny room, and he asked Benny, who was propped up at that point, looking out the window, what was going on. So Benny began to describe the world outside of the hospital room. The sun's rays that caught the children's hair as they played hopscotch on that city street. There was that neighborhood dog, a collie mix of some kind, who barked at the boys in the street. Obviously, he must belong to one of them. And then there was the young lovers who appeared to have purchased the brownstone next door. Joe enjoyed hearing all about the life happening outside the room. And he began to ask Benny what he saw, and eventually he no longer had to ask because Benny would just start describing the world outside every single time that he was propped up. 
He began to talk about life outside the room, every detail, down to the apparent flavor of ice cream melting in the child's hand to the birds in the tree in the park across the street. Joe missed the outside. He missed seeing it. But he had comfort knowing what was going on. He also noticed that his sadness was lifting and he was making progress in his therapies. On the 4th of July, Benny told Joe about that parade coming down the street with clowns and fire engines and red, white, and blue, and Joe couldn't hear it. It must have been that the air conditioning was too loud, he thought, but in his mind's eye, he could see it all through Benny's eyes. A few days after the parade, Joe awoke knowing that there was something quite different. The sound of his room was no more. Benny had died. A week went by and Joe was still laying where he was. I'm sad, he told the nurse. I lived for that hour each day that Benny sat up and told me about what was going on outside that window. The nurse said to Joe, you, you can move. You're strong enough now. You're better. You can sit up. So Joe was delighted. He finally got the bed next to the window. But he missed his friend. With great effort and help from the nurse, he longed to see the outside and the window. He longed to see the hopscotch on the sidewalk and the park across the street. But when he got to the window, there was a solid gray brick wall. No hopscotch, no park. No young couple with the yellow door in the brownstone. All that was out of that window was a gray brick wall. Joe was disgruntled. He was sad. He was angry. Why did Benny lie to me? And the nurse looked at him and said, Joe, Benny didn't lie to you. Benny told you exactly what he saw when he looked out this window. He told you about the world that he could see and described it to you in such detail. Benny was blind. Friends, the story is based on the story by O. Henry called The Last Leaf. Today is Trinity Sunday, and we begin a journey with more than meets the eye. Homiletician Dr. Kyle E. Brooks writes, in nature there are things not always as they would appear to be. The mineral pyrite is also known as Fool's gold, it has a pale yellow color and shine that gives the appearance of real gold. 
A graphite pencil is hardly as valuable as a diamond, but graphite and diamonds are just different forms of the same element, carbon. Appearances can be deceiving, and it can be difficult to see the deeper substance without closer examination. For Christian believers, it is necessary to examine our surroundings carefully in order to perceive how God might be showing up in them. Power, faith, transformation, salvation, hope often appear in ways that we do not expect. God's work is radical. God's work is unusual. And God's work is often surprising. Working behind the scenes and beneath the surfaces. The city of Corinth was diverse. It was a seaport city and at its time with travelers, locals, foreigners, it had a vast slave trade and moral corruption and it was considered the ideal Roman city. The church planted there would have been a microcosm of the larger city as any church is in its own town. In a way, to found a new church, to be a body of diversity, Paul uses paradox and exemplifies that we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ our Lord, who is Trinity in and through the world. And there is something to the clay jars and treasure Clay jars are unassuming. The paradox is why would someone hide treasure someplace so common, and yet it's the very place to look? Why was Corinth an ideal place for a church, or better yet, why are we as people carriers of the treasure of the gospel? Friends, because there is more to God and the mysteries of revelation then meets the eye. Blind men seeing a kingdom for a sick man. Treasure in clay jars. The Roman Empire port city becoming a messenger of Christ. During COVID, I became a potter. I've always been an artist, but wheel throwing and pottery was not my forte in college because throwing 12 identical 8-inch cylinders required more time than I had. But I've learned a lot since then about pottery, clay, and how vessels are created. It's complex, and yet it's simple in ways I never imagined. One of the first things that I had to learn is that I am a left-handed potter. It took me about six months to realize that, which means that I need the wheel spinning in a different direction. As with handwriting, there are lefties and there are righties, and there are also ambidextrous potters, which I happen to be one of, but which I prefer lefty, because if I throw left-handed, 
my rims are the same all the way around. If I throw on the right side, one side is always higher than the other. I learned I was a left-handed potter because it took a specific teacher who one day watched me throwing in frustration, and she said, don't change what you're doing. Let's just spin the wheel in a different direction. And all of a sudden, I and the clay had found the balance that we were lacking. Second, when throwing a piece of pottery, it takes momentum, clay, water, and pressure to be successful. In fact, speed, strength, and pressure is what creates the balance. It's called centering. And centering can be difficult. And yet, once you get it, you can create and recreate anything. Centering clay has all different techniques. I have potter friends who are blind or lack the use of both arms and hands. And wow, what they can do when they center clay and the cre creativity that comes. But they have to center the clay. Third, if one does not consistently sponge out the inside base of a pot, even if you don't think you see water, cracks occur. And you cannot see the cracks until the piece is fired. But water seeps in unaware to the eyes. It's there and create consistently what is known as an S crack. It makes your soup bowl into a succulent planter. As much as we try, one cannot completely prevent a broken pot. It doesn't make it less valuable, only different functions. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from Us. Paul does not deny that the realities and the struggles in the Corinth church do not exist, but rather points to a God who is in and among each and every one of us. After all, even the Corinthians, the ones who would go to church and the ones who don't, the ones who think like us and the ones that don't, are created in their image. The great our image plurality of the Godhead. Reverend John Creasy, the pastor of Open Door Presbyterian Church, writes, Christian Trinitarian theology may be the most unique aspect of our faith. We believe in one God who is communal in nature. We believe in one God who is parent child, and Holy Spirit. We believe in one God who is three as much as one. We believe in one God who is drawing all of creation unto God's self and bringing community and unity and hope through love together. Friends, we are people of God, created in the image of God. 
This God who creates beautiful things out of dust and evolution. A God who created each and every one of us in the great our image and called us good. The creator who created everything from the sea monsters to the sunsets upon the hills after a storm. To the church in this time and place. God created them and God called them. And God called them. God called them what? I can't hear you. God called them? We are people of a good and gracious God. We are people who follow a spirit and a sibling and a parent as close as breath, as majestic as a bird in flight, as familiar as the contractor or an artist who is sibling in Christ and who gave us words to live by. And the great parent, whether we think of this Godhead to look like Father Time or the wisest grand matriarch we have ever known, or the likeness of all people in one great prism of light. Dr. Brooks writes, it can be easy to fixate on our our own struggles and surroundings, and we are not promised lives of ease and comfort. However, God's presence in the midst of the journey enables us to maintain hope that something powerful lies inside of us, strengthening us collectively for what lies ahead. Friends, I believe that is good, good news for each and every one of us. May it be so. Amen. Friends, as we are the people of God, created in this wonderful image, this God who gives us treasure in clay jars, it is fitting that we are invited to a table, the Lord's table, where people come from the north and the south and the east and the west to sit at this table in the kingdom of heaven. This table that invites the saints of every time and place where we dine together and where God is the host inviting us to come. For in chalices of clay and plates of clay, we have treasure of community, of family, of friends, of Christ, Spirit, and God the creator with us. So friends, as we are invited to the table today, let us remember who is with us and who is not, who we wish to invite, how we wish to invite them, and remember that we dine with the kingdom in all times and places. As we come to the table this day, we will sing, come to the table of grace. We will sing the first verse two times. Friends, as we are people coming to this table, we do so as the church. So I am delighted to have a trifecta this morning at the table. 
because liturgy is the work of the people. And so you are the people of Christ. Pastors come in and among us. We sit with you, we dine with you, we pray with you, but you and I are all part of the body of Christ, children at this table where Christ is the host. So I'd like to ask Bill and Judy to come and join me. And friends, let us be in song. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.